Before we start, may I make a quick request? Thank you. Would you mind leaving this podcast a review? I don't chase metrics and I'm not worried about whether we get reviews or not. However, I'm not the software that's run by an algorithm and tells other potential listeners to give this one a go. So when you leave a review, you trick the algorithm and then more people get to hear about exploring compassionate capitalism. Thank you for helping your fellow listeners out. All right, let's do some exploring. Our topic is compassionate capitalism, not ordinary capitalism, the compassionate kind. Does that sound like utopia? Strictly woo? Is it even possible? Let's dig in. This is the fourth episode in a series about better ways of working with our employees, gig workers, contract employees, and even our preferred suppliers. Today, we're going to talk about remote work and work from home. Now, I I think I need to be very clear here. Not every job is suited for remote work. If you work in the personal space, like you're a doctor or a dentist or a hairstylist or a veterinarian, well, clearly remote work does not fit the job specs. Nor does some retail, nor does some education, and definitely not for so many in the healthcare field and even the farmers who grow our food. The same goes for anyone who is in production and assembly lines, research and development, private investigations, and well, you know, the list does go on. However, there are in fact a lot of jobs that can easily become remote work. The tricky part is managing the people, the offerings, and of course the productivity. And let's be very honest, managing the people the offerings, and the productivity, well, it's still the mandate when you have an office or facility in real life. Those priorities do not change. However, the tactics do. And if I may, I think using programs to spy on employees to make sure that they are working is the absolute worst kind of management behavior. As a matter of fact, I cannot understand why any company needs to use software like that, and I cannot understand why any employee would continue to work for a company that does use it. My guest today is Raj Goodman Anand, and I think you'll really want to listen to our conversation. He's based in the UK, and he's been an active entrepreneur for about 17 years. His current business is Goodman Lantern, which is an award-winning content marketing agency specializing in content writing, strategy, design, motion graphic videos, and SEO services for the technology, telecommunications, and financial services industries. You can find all the details for Raj and his company in the links in the show notes. His business is very global and his entire team is fully remote and has been that way for more than seven years. When I caught up with him, we actually taped this episode while he was at a client's facility in Japan. It was six o'clock in the morning for him tomorrow and it was seven o'clock at night for me this evening. The first thing I asked him was to share some of the good habits, the better practices, and some of the good stuff he has learned as a business owner when it comes to making remote teams work well. 
Yeah, so before we jumped on this recording, Charlene, you were talking about how remote working is not for everybody. Um, and that's that's true. Um, but I think the first step where we can embark on this journey is understanding you know, who we are as a company, as individuals, what is our mission, our vision. So for example, in, in, in my company, our mission is to empower women in technology and marketing. And why is that relevant to remote working? Well, because we're empowering women and a lot of women choose to, to do other things like most men do, uh, you know, maybe pursuing education, maybe having a family, maybe they're working, they wanna work part-time, maybe they wanna work full-time. You know, we, we try to accommodate around their needs. So our team consists of 80% plus women uh, in our organization. And we realized over time that flexibility was a really important part for them. So we built the company to, to accommodate flexibility as part of that for the team members. It actually works really well. As I was saying earlier, our, our customers are on five continents, our team members are on four continents. So we're able to match the requirements of our customers with our team members' uh, requirements of flexibility and build in an opportunity to kind of really match the skill sets needed on one end to the other. Um, other thing is to, to be a remote company, we have to kind of build new processes, new procedures. So for example, we have software for internal communication. Um, we use a tool called Teamwork we use for project management and internal chats. We have other time recording tools like Time Doctor, for example, for, for our team members to kind of use, for example. We have a built-in procedure uh, which starts from our company's um, sort of a handbook which we have created for our company to understand who we are, what we do, why are we different, what's, a, what's the way to kind of go about asking for help, uh, onboarding so that's the way we kind of do this and i think the, the starting point really is to build a solid foundation with a strong hand, handbook and a strong onboarding procedure so people know what they're getting into so that's the sort of starting point charlie does that help you to answer some of the questions initially and i can dive a bit deeper if you like it it does um, <clears throat> i'm fascinated by the fact that you started with culture and you started with values because i personally believe that 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 is exactly what runs every single every single organization is their culture and their values and once you get those right everything falls into place so i i have a question then lots of business owners think that writing these policy manuals is an hr role lots of business owners think that these policy manuals have to be boring and lengthy and it's not part of their responsibility. And as well, it's extra money that why should we bother? How do you counter when you when you encounter folks with that kind of a mentality? What do you say to them? Well, over the years, I've learned that retained staff is actually profitable for the business, if nothing else. Actually, the retained staff is uh, it provides more value, more opportunities for the company itself and also for the team member as well actually retaining staff is like retaining customers 
the more you retain customers, the more you retain staff, the more value you see because that those core values you've hired against the company are seen across. And then when they hire more team members under under their wing, they pass that culture and the mindset to them as well. Because you know, as a company owner, you can't be hiring and growing the company at the same time. You need people who come on, really delegate the task to, who then hire. But they, if they're not in the same mindset, the same culture, they'll hire the wrong people. So we need to hire the right people in the first place and then um, allow them, empower them, elevate them so that they then hire the next generation of people. And once they are in the same mindset, they bring the culture, the, the focus, they then lead to uh, hire people just like themselves. Uh, but they don't do that once they are retained for long enough. So we need to think about what will be valuable for them to be in the company and what will make their lives easier. Or be, why will they want to be this, this organization? Only then they can bring in other people like them and help to elevate the whole company together. I think what's what I find fascinating in everything that you're sharing here, Raj, is you're not an HR person. You're the guy at the top. You're the person who makes the decisions and you get a hundred percent or a thousand percent that once you get the right process in place because you've defined what your key metrics are for your organization, whether that's culture or values or or personalities or whatever. That's how you build your foundation. It's not an HR function, I think is what I'm hearing you say. It's a collaborative thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're given it HR, we're given it like the name of like operations and sales. Actually, at the end of the day, it's a company. It's it's a feeling, it's individual. It's talk to other, other individuals. And a company really is a group of individuals together. All our policies are around to make the journey more fun, more collaborative. And I think what I've, what I've been learning is that HR especially comes from the top. If the culture is not set right at the beginning, if the top management is not thinking of the culture, no HR personnel can save the company. We have to change our culture. And you know I think of this all the time because you know we, we, we do hire a lot of people and we are People business. If we look at our website, we say we are a company by humans for humans. And as I mentioned before, a big part of that is women empowerment. So we're all about the human beings. And I, I often think about like what can I do better? You know, the, the end game is to keep improving that again and again. I, I'm not saying that I'm there yet. I'm constantly trying to improve my game and really to kind of bring in better procedures spend more time with the team, um, improve the challenges we might might have, and make it the best place to work for our team members. Let me ask you um, a very personal question then. How much time in your day do you spend talking with, chatting with, working with, collaborating with your team members versus anything else in the business? So I would say half my time talking to team members. Um, like I spend half my time talking to team members. Now I have a new program where I'm, where I, where my, the extended team are, are booking in half an hour slots in my calendar 
to, to do a check-in with me. And that's an opportunity for me to ask them questions to improve their lives at Goodman Lantern. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking of new programs I'm running in the company to to talk to the extended team of hundreds of people and seeing what can we do to make their life, the journey better. Um, and, it, you know, obviously some might say that's not the role of a CEO to do, but I think it really is, you know, we have, it's our, it's our, it's our organization, it's our culture. We have to make sure that we, we do our best to uh, empower our team members. Do you ever bring your team members together in person? Yeah. So we do retreats all the time. Um, we just had one in Cape Town. Before that, we had one in Bangkok. Um, so yeah, we do retreats, um, bring people together. Well, what's the frequency, Raj? We aim for one or two per year, okay. uh, at least. And then if there's more, that that's a bonus. Also, I fly in to see my team members as well. Many a time, I'm flying into to see my team members across across Europe, US, yeah, some in Asia. So yeah, we're doing South Africa. We're doing what we can to make sure that we are having more face time with them because that is also a way to improve the the bonding. You mentioned technology as the other main driver of the foundation. Do you use uh, software or um, modern methods for actually helping you hire the right people as well? Yeah. So, I mean, we, and I'm an engineer, I actually did research in AI 20 years back. And so I'm a researcher, technologist kind of person, and I love technology, obviously. Uh, but yeah, we do a lot of, we use a lot of tools, it's not, not, nothing out of the ordinary, but like we use a lot of tools and a lot of methodologies to kind of make sure we hire the right people. So for example, we use LinkedIn for recruitment quite often. Um, and and the thing which we do differently is, is that before you speak to anybody in the team, you need to fill in a few forms. Um, these, these tend to be really to understand what is they're looking for the company. Uh, we do one um, skill-based interview in these forms. We do one voice recording so it's like a you hear how they sound like that's super important you're talking to these people all the time you need to make sure you can you can can have a chat with them and finally there is a psychometric test to see what is the real human being behind um to see if there's the core skills match our company's core skills it's not always accurate it can be gamed but then once they do this entire process, we then do an interview with them, first then by the manager, and then if it's senior position, then I will interview them as well. So a lot of interview process, lots of chats on, on Zoom, lots of forms to be filled in online, but all this shows an, an intent to work for the company. And then once they join the company, then we show our intent to keep them and work with us longer. I imagine you also have pretty progressive review sessions as well on a regular basis with all of your team people. Yeah. So we basically make sure that we are actually hiring uh, these right people, but then to review them, we have procedures. So the way we do that is there's a system called EOS, Entrepreneurs Operating System. 
uh, which we use uh, to check in with our team members. And within that, we have what we call level 10. Level 10 meeting is you come in for, you know, depends which meeting it is, but it's about hour and a half, two hours long meeting where the manager and the team, the core team, come together to do a review of the last week. They are like, there is a uh, list of like, a, like an agenda in there. There's, there are these long-term goals called rocks, short-term goals called to-do list, uh, ideation uh, opportunities in that, in that meeting and problem-solving opportunities in that meeting. So we're basically going through this kind of procedure every week with all the, all the core managers doing that with their team members. And then I do one of the senior managers every week. So that process of review flushes out any challenges which are there in the company. Uh, but then that also leads to our big quarterly goals and annual goals and five-year goals and 10-year goals as well. That is really, really comprehensive. I, I, I have never heard of such comprehensiveness in the online space. I've heard it in real life, but certainly not in the online, which, which then begs the question, how do you measure that your employees are happy, fulfilled, and satisfied? So every week, our, uh, one of the team members whose job is to send out a survey to all team members asking them how happy they are out of 10, the so-called NPS scores, and that promoter score. So what's the NPS score for Goodman Lantern? How happy they are? What, what are the challenges this week? what worked personally in their personal life, what did not work in their personal life, what worked for them at work, what didn't work for them at work. Uh, so we ask these kind of five questions every week and don't, the idea is that anybody in the team can fill this out. If there are a problem, then we make sure that we address that problem for them. Um, and in our, our senior management meeting, we have a a scorecard in which we discuss amongst other things about customers and stuff. You also have a, a, a row of data about any challenges in the, in the company with any team member. And then there's a, you know, there's a big thing to be addressed in the company. And then that's taken as an issue if you solve that week to address that personal problem of, 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 a, of a team member or a bigger challenge and look at it as a company culture thing. Holy cow, that is really, really comprehensive. I almost feel like the people that are listening are maybe surprised at just how much work, and I use that in quotes, goes into managing the people side of the business. And, and it's clear you've got that nailed down and mastered. Well, we, we're always learning. I think there's there's always room to improve it further. I think I think my mentality always is to keep challenging myself to be a better version of myself and the company does exactly the same. So yeah, we're on this journey and I think it's just a bit, you know, tip of the iceberg is the beginning. Hope to kind of keep improving it further and making ourselves more efficient and as well as bring, being the best company to work for in the future. I hope you noticed at least two of the important takeaways that Raj talked about. The first one is the selection of the care for and the follow-up with the employees in a remote team is exactly the same as that of an in-person team. 
It is the execution of the steps in the process that are different. And the second important takeaway is, in order to have a successful remote team, all business owners start with themselves first. Building a first-rate team has never been an easy thing for any business owner in any decade. And yet, you heard Raj start the conversation with all the reasons why it is important to get it right. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There are no easy solutions left for us. However, if we can dream it, and believe it, we can indeed achieve it. And when you look around at your life and your world, you can see the unintended consequences of actions that you have taken, as well as others have taken over the last 10, 20, 30, 50, 75, and even 100 years. If we could, we'd all ask for a do-over, but that's not possible. The only thing we can do now is ask for a do better. And that do better must be in the highest good of all.